When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about Spencer Confidential. If you don't know what Spencer Confidential is, it's actually a Mark Wahlberg movie that he actually did a deal with Netflix, and they released it on Netflix over the weekend, so I'm going to be talking about that. This, is, of course, is going to be a non-spoiler review, so you don't have to worry about any kind of spoilers. Then, The Outsider Season 1 review, that's right. I didn't get a chance to actually do a full-on review whenever I was watching the show or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I just finished up the last episode over the weekend. So, I want to go ahead and talk about what I think of The Outsider as a whole. Then, I also watched an old movie from 1995 called Outbreak. I haven't seen this movie since it was released in theaters, so I thought it would be a fun time, especially with this coronavirus going around, to actually talk about it. Then, I also have a little bit of movie news as well, where I have Trolls 2 and The Invisible Man are going to be released on digital and Blu-ray, I believe. And then, the Batman uh, production has actually been shut down for two weeks. And not only that, but Warner Brothers also winded up shutting down production on The Matrix 4. So, that's a little bit of movie news that I actually want to cover. So, let's go ahead and get in with Spencer Confidential. So, Spencer Confidential, like I said before, stars Mark Wahlberg. And it was actually released on Netflix. And I just have to say, if this movie was actually one of those movies that was done in the 90s, I think that this movie would have actually done well in the movie theaters because of the fact that with the dialogue. And then not only that, but also kind of reminds you of this hard target kind of feel to it. Where, like, for instance, like with the action and when people are talking, there's a little bit of music in the background to let you know this guy's going to be like a total badass and everything else, taking down criminals. Even whenever uh, Mark Wahlberg is talking, you actually see a little bit of this rock and roll kind of vibe type of music in the background that amplified the fact that, you know, something big is about to actually happen. And, you know, I actually thought that Spencer Confidential was actually a pretty good movie. Matter of fact, you know, this movie also had Post Malone in it, making his first appearance in a movie. Then, Peter Berg is also the director for this movie, and I have to say, Peter Berg actually knows how to direct a movie whenever it's dealing with something that's actually fun, and this is exactly what um, Spencer Confidential actually is. It's actually a movie that's actually fun, action-packed. Not only that, but it also captures you with a little bit of emotional stuff that actually happens within the movie itself. If you don't know what uh, Spencer Confidential actually is, it's where Mark Wahlberg pretty much gets suspended from, well, not suspended, but he gets fired from being a police officer after attacking his police captain. He pleads guilty for all the charges and even admits to the fact that he took things into his own hands a little too far, and he winds up getting fired, and he winds up doing five years in, in prison. And another thing, too, is whenever he gets out of jail, he goes on ahead, and he's actually bailed out by one of his old friends. One of his old friends was actually in that old Ben Affleck movie, uh, where uh, it was Argo. And a matter of fact, that's Alan Arkin. And I have to say, Alan Arkin does a fantastic job in this movie at trying to be the right kind of person for Mark Wahlberg to actually be a voice. But Mark Wahlberg is one of those characters where he just doesn't take no for an answer. He takes things into his own hands. What I mean by that is the fact that, you know, there was actually some stuff that actually winds up happening whenever he gets out of prison where you have... 
the police captain that he ended up hacking five years ago, he winds up being dead. Then also, too, his old police partner, I believe, or one of the people on the police force, winds up working for this uh, crew that's actually doing this drug deals and stuff like that. And he winds up, I, basically, uh, Mark Wahlberg goes on ahead, takes things into his own hands, trying to investigate on what actually happened so he can actually clear that person's name. And along the way, there's a little bit of bumps in the road here and there trying to get to where he needs to go with the investigation. And the humor in this movie actually works out pretty well. If you don't know Mark Wahlberg, when it comes down to his humor and things like that, especially whenever you watch Four Brothers, because it actually does have kind of a Four Brothers kind of vibe to it because of the fact that, you know, the chemistry between him and his roommate, which is played by Winston Duke, is one of the best things about this movie is the fact that the chemistry actually worked between the two of them. As a matter of fact, when he gets out of prison, he finds out that Alan Arkin actually put somebody else in his room after five years, and it happens to be Winston Duke. And this dude, dude is, like, huge. And Mark Wahlberg goes, when, do, when did this person move into my room? I thought I had this room by myself. And that's another thing that actually changed. And then also, too, there's also the his uh, police buddy that he actually had whenever he was actually a police officer, which is his partner, was played by Bochum Woodbean. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. He was actually on The Sopranos for at least one episode where it was that episode, A Hit is a Hit, and that's from season one. And I believe that he actually did a pretty good job playing his partner and also trying to tell him that he needs to stay out of uh, the line and everything else because he doesn't know what he's dealing with. And, you know, I feel like that this was, if this movie, like I said, was shot in the 90s, this movie would have actually made bank. Because another thing that I want to get at is the fact that in the opening scene, well, not the actual opening scene, but the other scene that it actually opens up to at the very beginning, after he gets his sentence, sentence and before he's even released out of prison the day before, is the fact that you know, uh, where he's sitting across from Post Malone and somebody actually puts a hit on Mark Wahlberg and everything. And basically he gets into a tussle inside prison and it becomes like a self-defense thing. So he doesn't do any extra time because of the fact that it was self-defense. So he's able to do his five years and get out of prison. So that's actually something that I actually wanted to cover because of the fact that it actually sets the groundwork on the tone of what this movie is. If you're into this kind of thing where, you know, you have this kind of 90s kind of vibe to it that's actually pretty nice because of the fact that it actually fits in with a 2020 kind of setting. And if you're into this kind of stuff, I think that you would actually like Spencer Confidential. And then also, too, it actually, like I said, it has a lot of humor into it. You have his girlfriend that tries to pick him up from prison, and she's pretty much this uh, psycho, over-obsessed girlfriend, and he doesn't want her to even know that he's even out of prison or anything like that. He tells Alan Arkin just to go ahead and drive. That part was hilarious to me. I thought that it was it actually worked for that scene. But still, tell me what you guys think about Spencer Confidential, because I thought it was very good, very well put together. Peter Berg actually does a great job with directing, like I said before. It actually shows what he can actually do with a Netflix type of movie. So tell me what you guys think about that. So my next thing is The Outsider. The Outsider is based off of a Stephen King novel. And basically it's about this guy who's actually a baseball coach who winds up, well, basically... It's a murder mystery type of thing that actually gets turned into like a supernatural type of thing where you have this kid who winds up dying and so happens to be Terry, that's actually the character's name, who's actually played by Jason Bateman. 
and he gets arrested for the kid's murder. And next thing you know it, you know, his story is checking out. But at the same time, the detective is trying to put things together into his perspective of how could Terry kill this guy whenever, well, not this guy, but this kid, when he said he was over at this place at this such a time. And there's no way that he can actually be at two places at one time. He's actually trying to do some police work. And he's as he keeps on investigating, he gets this other person involved. And I forgot what her character actually is, but she's one of those people that actually thinks outside the box a little bit to the point where, you know, she believes in like supernatural beings. She believes in this uh, boogeyman type of character that's actually killing the kids. And of course, there's that little disbelief with the police detective is like, I'm not sure if I believe this or not because of the fact that I believe in what I can see. And because I don't see it, I don't believe it until you actually show me proof, show me some type of thing where uh where this is actually true i'm not going to believe it and that's exactly how this actually sets up and then also too i believe that the chemistry that the woman who plays the detective's wife was actually really good then also too the kids does a fantastic job at uh the kids actually do a fantastic job at being scared of this being that's unknown because of the fact that this being actually shows up at their uh well when I was saying kids, I meant to actually say Terry's kids because of the fact that they're actually being haunted, being haunted by this boogeyman type of character. And so the the boogeyman character tells them that they need to see the police detective and everything and tells them to keep their mouth uh, to go ahead and call the detective up. And also too, you know, the detective is still not believing anything that these, that anything like this is actually happening. Like I said, it has kind of a little bit of an it vibe to it. It actually has a little bit of mystery to it. It has a lot of supernatural stuff to it. Now, what I'm going to say is probably maybe the most unpopular opinion. Because here's the thing. I actually read the first couple of pages of The Outsider. It actually connects very well with the continuity within the outsider uh tv show as well because i thought that they did a really good job at adapting the book to a tv series and they did a really good job with that but i haven't read the book all the way through but for the most part and everything once you get into like the final episode i felt like it was a little bit anti-climatic in a sense because of some some of the things that actually happened in there which i'm not going to get into because I want you guys to discover that out for yourselves. To be able to rate the show on what you actually saw rather than what I saw. And plus, I don't want to spoil this for anybody that hasn't seen it and just binge-watching it off of HBO Go. So if you haven't seen The Outsider, let me know what you guys think if you actually do decide to check this out. Because I thought it was a very good supernatural natural type of TV show mixed in with some mystery type stuff dealing with this. So tell me what you guys have to say about that. Now I'm going to get down to the movie Outbreak. This movie came out in 1995. And I remember going to the movie theaters to actually see this movie for the very very first time. And, you know, I was actually going to do the best movie, best Outbreak movies or the best zombie movies of of the top 10 list because of the fact of this coronavirus. But this movie ranks up there, though, because of the fact with how good they actually make it out to be for a 1995-type movie. And, you know, basically, it's got Morgan Freeman in this movie. It's got Cuba Gooding Jr. in this movie. It has Dustin Hoffman in it. Renee Russo's in it. She plays Dustin Hoffman's wife. Morgan Freeman's in it, who plays Dustin Hoffman's uh, friend, but also, to the person who's actually in charge of sending them 
sending these quarantine people everywhere that they can go to actually save lives. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and get into the whole plot. But if you're into this thing, I think that you might actually like this. This is actually on Netflix right now. And Outbreak was actually a good movie. It's about a dangerous airborne virus that threatens civilization and and uh in African and an African monkey carrying a lethal virus is smuggled into the United States and an outbreak occurs in a California town. To control the spread of the disease, a team of doctors is brought in that includes a contagious dis- disease expert by uh Dustin Hoffman and his ex-wife Renee Russo. And the army intervenes to handle this situation, though the doctors must fight against the clock to save the town and its residents. Now, what I like about this movie is the fact that, you know, it actually sets up really good because you're dealing with this one scene where, at the very beginning of it, where they can't save any lives because of another virus that actually broke out in Africa. So what they do is they go on ahead. They can't contain it or anything like that. So these people, these poor people, are thinking that they're actually sending for help and everything else, but instead they wind up bombing it, and that's the end of that whole entire thing because of the fact that it couldn't be contained. So the only way to contain it is to blow everybody up. And that just shows you how haunting the government can actually be. If you are, and some people are saying, well, this movie's a little extreme when it comes down to certain things within the film itself because of the way that the government actually contains itself. If you actually go in to the whole entire government thing on everything that the president can actually do, you're going to be horrified at everything that he can actually do and handle and how much power he actually has. Whenever it comes down to outbreaks, when it comes down to martial law, when it comes down to other things. But this movie in itself works itself out great because it actually shows you what an outbreak can actually do whenever it's transferred from one person to another. And a matter of fact, you know, like I said, this actually came from an African uh, African American. I'm sorry, um, an African monkey, and basically that monkey actually transferred his disease over to another person. As a matter of fact, it was matter of fact, the monkey actually got trans was actually on a boat headed towards San Francisco. The guy want the guy who works at this cargo area and everything is trying to sell the monkey to this pet shop owner. The monkey spr- uh, sprays him, well not sprays him, but he sneezes in the guy's face. The guy gets the virus. The other time at the pet store, the pet store owner goes on ahead and what happens? He winds up getting bitten by the monkey. Then it goes into the hospital area where the guy winds up dying. Then somebody cuts their finger on the blood test that the pet store owner has, and it goes all over his face. Next thing you know, he has the virus. It just shows how bad viruses can actually spread throughout the system. Not only that, but this is also one of those things that can actually be airborne as well with this movie too, where somebody can sneeze. And then, of course, we already know how many feet... Oh, that a sneeze can actually carry and it can actually go through every single person within the radius inside a movie theater because that's actually where this one particular scene actually takes place. Before you know it, all of the whole entire movie theater actually has that virus. And that's just something that's actually kind of scary, though, that they actually captured very well within this movie is the fact of how bad this thing could actually spread. Then, of course, you know, Morgan Freeman also... Here's the thing. I also want to mention this too. Dustin Hoffman tells Morgan Freeman 
from the very beginning that they need to go on ahead and do something with this virus because it could wind up coming over here. Morgan Freeman doesn't believe him or anything like that and wants him to go on another mission. He has so pretty much Dustin Hoffman is actually playing hero by trying to persuade the United States government that they need us go on ahead and stop this virus from spreading, even though that they think that is contained, even though that is in another country or whatever, they think that it, there's nothing to worry about. Well, it wouldn't be outbreak if it wasn't the fact that it actually spread everywhere else. But if you're looking for a good suspenseful movie or anything like that, I recommend this movie. It's a great outbreak movie and stuff like that. And you can't beat Morgan Freeman. You can't beat Dustin Hoffman in this movie and Cuba Gooding Jr. It even has Kevin Spacey in this movie as well. And, you know, I really thought that the chemistry between Rene Russo and then also, too, you also have Kevin Spacey and Cuba Gooding Jr. All those characters work out itself really well in this movie for a 1995 type of movie. I really have to say I enjoyed revisiting this movie all over again and sitting down and actually understanding the situation at hand with the outbreak. Because I was like maybe 12, not, not 12, maybe like 11, I want to say, or 10, somewhere around that area when this movie actually came out. So there were some things that I remembered and some things I didn't remember. Like, I know I talked about this on my other podcast episode where they actually had a map and it actually shows how, and blood dots of how this virus can actually spread. So that's another thing that I actually remembered from the movie itself and seeing that play out again and everything just shows you how catastrophic a virus can actually be. So there's that. (laughs) So uh, now I'm going to go on ahead and talk about Trolls 2 and The Invisible Man. And it looks like they're going to be released on Blu-ray and digital, if not just digital right now. And that's kind of crazy if you think about it, especially whenever Trolls 2 just came out not too long ago, along with um, The Invisible Man, because The Invisible Man is still playing at the movie theaters right now. And matter of fact, I just got done seeing that maybe about two or three weeks ago, and now they're talking about releasing it on digital or Blu-ray. And the main reason why I wanted to go ahead and talk about this is because of the fact that it makes me wonder... If they're releasing these on digital for these new releases and everything, could they actually do this with Mulan? Could they actually do this with The Fast and the Furious? Could they actually do this with other movies? And not only that, but I even asked one of my good friends at JoeBlow.com this. I asked him, I said, with the fact that these movies got released on digital... Does it give you give us hope that there's actually a chance for these movies to be on Blu-ray or being able to rent at, at Redbox and have a spike in DVD sales and rental sales again, just like we had in the early 2000s? Because if you think about it, you know, movies that used to bomb at the box office and everything else... You would have your Blu-ray, well, not Blu-rays, but you had your DVDs and VHS tapes. And if the movie bombed, it would make its money back with DVDs, and it would also make itself back with rentals from movie, uh, not movie theaters, but from video stores. So, I mean, that was actually something I was thinking about off the cuff because of the fact that I think it would be a perfect way for them to actually make their money. But not only that, but I know that China makes up a large amount of its money for its movie-going audiences. Like, if it didn't make enough money here, it would actually even out overseas. And for us not to have that Chinese got, uh, Chinese uh, money or that overseas money, the mo- movie might not be getting that great of a buzz. It might not even be doing great at the box office or anything like that. So, therefore, there wouldn't be any reason to actually release those out on at the movie theaters right now because it can't break even because it doesn't have those overseas numbers. But... 
if they wind up doing it this way, I believe that they could actually make their money back. They can go on ahead, stream it uh, on digital and everything for a limited time, have a digital release, and also on Blu-ray for a digital for a physical release if they wanted to. And then they can actually release the movies back in theaters to make up its money and profit and actually get those numbers from before whenever they released it temporarily on digital and the same thing whenever it was released on physical format. But they can also do the same thing with streaming services or pay-per-views where you can actually stream it for temporarily for a couple of days or whatever and then it's gone. It's out of the system. Therefore, you have to wait until it actually comes out on uh, the movie theaters and that's the only way they can actually see it. And then you can actually make up your numbers from that way too. But I'm not sure if that would actually work or not. But it'll be something new, something something new for movie theaters or movies in general in the ent- entertainment industry to actually try out for a one-time thing. But I, I I'm pretty interested on seeing what they could actually do with that. So that's just my take on it. I think that it would be an interesting idea to actually try something new to make it break even. And a matter of fact, Mulan got pushed back to another release date. And I even said it before. I even said that, you know, they need to go ahead and move Mulan to another date because of this coronavirus, because of the fact that they made this move specifically for the Chinese going audiences. And the fact that we don't have those overseas numbers right now, it may not do so well in the United States, but it can actually balance itself out overseas. But I think that's just the way to go about it right now is just go on ahead, push it back and maybe have it on streaming service temporarily for Disney Plus. Maybe rent it for like five bucks or whatever. And then it goes into the whole entire box office later on. And then once it's uh, this coronavirus messes over with, go on ahead, release it into movie theaters wide and it can actually break even that way, I believe. But still, I'm not a PR person. I don't work at the movie industry or anything like that. You know, but it's just something that, you know, they can actually play around with and try and do something different. But still, we just have to wait and see on how this thing actually plays out if they ever do that. Um, Now I'm going to talk about the Batman production got shut down for two weeks. And this is also going to go in with the Matrix 4 getting shut down as well for two weeks because they are also both part of the same company. And a matter of fact, I just read too where... You also have the new Fantastic Beasts movie that actually is on hiatus as well. But I think that might actually have something to do with the fact that maybe the script isn't done yet or the fact that, you know, the coronavirus too, because this movie hasn't even broke production. So, you know, that movie's, you know, good to go as inside the vault as, you know, what I mean inside the vault is the fact that, you know, it might not even see the light of day yet or anything like that until this whole entire mess is actually done. And then you also have the Uncharted movie. Sony actually shut down this poor movie. I feel bad for the Uncharted movie because every single time when there might be a little bit of light, just a little bit of light, that light actually grows dim to the point where this movie might not ever get the shine of day because of the fact this thing keeps on getting pushed back so many times. Directors leaving over creative differences and stuff like that. But, you know, I was thrilled with the fact that, you know, we actually had a director that actually wants to do this movie. Now, that's actually going to be doing it, and it just sucks that this coronavirus actually happened to the point where production is actually going to be halted for a little bit until this thing's actually straightened out. And this is the same thing that goes on with the Batman production. Matter of fact, you know, Matt Reeves said that he wasn't going to stop production on this movie or anything like that. He was just going to keep on filming, and then all of a sudden, a couple of hours later, the Batman production got shut down for two weeks. 
And then The Matrix 4 got shut down production for two weeks. I think that's actually fear to actually see what this virus is actually going to do. Let people be isolated for a little bit, be with their families for a little bit, and then come back to it later on. Because, you know, I know that this is just a common sense thing. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Make sure that you wash your butt. Make sure you do everything that actually has to be done. That's actually common sense stuff. But, you know, people that are, um, these actors and actresses actually travel overseas to where they are actually more affected by this virus than what we are, because I don't see anyone really being affected by this in the United States other than the people that are actually traveling overseas. I feel bad for Idris Elba right now. He's got it right now with the coronavirus. And then, of course, Tom Hanks last week got it, him and his wife, but now he's actually been released from the hospital. So I'm glad that, you know, there's actually some recovery going on within this coronavirus. And I think that Idris Elba will go ahead and recover from this. But as for the movie theaters itself, I feel bad for the people that are actually working right now because of this whole entire coronavirus because they're actually going to probably have to shut down the theaters soon. As a matter of fact, AMC theaters actually shut down their doors recently. And also, too, I wouldn't be surprised pretty soon over here they start shutting down doors. Matter of fact, I was going to go see Bloodshot over the weekend or The Hunt, and all they had was 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock showings, and I was out and about at around 12 o'clock. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to wait to go see this movie at 7 o'clock at night. Especially when I'm already in uh, at this place for 12, in this town at 12 o'clock. And it takes 45 minutes for me to get back home. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, see this movie at another time if I can actually see it at another time. But, you know, it just goes to show that they're actually taking the right precautions and everything else with this virus, even though we may see that it's actually ridiculous or whatever, but still safety is an issue and, you know, business is business and they want their employees to actually be careful with this virus as well. So I'm all for that. And then of course, you know, like I said, the whole entire thing with the Batman being shut down for two weeks, I think that's actually a good thing because of the fact that they're actually paying attention to the actors and actresses that are actually getting sick. And that's also the same thing with Matrix 4. We don't want Keanu Reeves to go on ahead and have this coronavirus so because we want to see him in uh john wick chapter four and we can't actually have him if he's actually puking everywhere so you know i think that they're doing the right things by actually dropping the production on this for just a little bit just to see what this virus is actually going to do so there's that but you know all in all i have to say um i think that they're actually making the right calls i think that this coronavirus is a very serious thing you know, but still, this is what I'm going to be doing for the channel, and by the way, this is it for the whole entire movie uh, news and stuff like that, but this is what I'm going to be doing for the, for the podcast itself, is the fact there is some movies that I actually missed out on last year, so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be running some movies, and I would love for everybody to check out those episodes whenever I drop them. Because they're not going to get as much hit or anything like that with these newer releases or anything like that. And especially if I'm going to go back and revisit even older movies. So if you guys want to, please go on ahead and check out those videos. Uh, not those videos, but those podcast episodes. Because of the fact that, you know, I want to want my audience to actually listen to what I have to say about those older films. Even in 2019, I missed out on some films and everything and I'm trying to catch up. And like I said, I ended up watching Knives Out recently. That's actually on the podcast. And also Blue and Black or Black and Blue. That's actually on the podcast episode on the same episode as Knives Out. 
you can actually check that out in the in the listings and everything as well. And then, of course, you know, I actually have some other stuff that I want to do as well. So this is actually going to be a fun time for me to actually catch up on some some movies and everything else that I missed out on. As a matter of fact, whenever I'm not doing my podcast and everything, it drives me insane that I can't watch anything new or anything like that. And it sucks that I can't actually post any type of movie news without it being saying, this is shut down, this is shut down, this is shut down. And it's like, I just feel like it's frustrating to me because of the fact that with my audience and everything, I feel like that I'm limiting my audiences on what I can post and I don't want people to back out of what I, on what I post or anything like that on the movie page. And, you know, it's just hard for me to actually post anything movie related within the movie news itself, because what am I going to post? This got shut down. That movie got shut down. This got shut down. So the movie industry right now is pretty much shut down. So with me doing these little movie reviews and stuff like that from older movies in 2019, I think this is actually a good way for me to actually expand out a little bit more and actually do older reviews. So tell me what you guys think about that. I'll also have a link to where you guys actually can send me in some questions if you want me to do some topics, if you want to ask me anything at all that's movie related and stuff like that. So tell me what you guys have to say or anything like that. Comment, uh, go on ahead and send me in a voicemail message, or you can reach me at movie lovers unite and TV lovers unite at, uh, Facebook, or you can even message me through email or at movie lovers unite at gmail.com. And of course, you know, you guys can always catch me on the podcast doing this. I'm going to try and do episodes every single day. Like I used to do to make it a daily and weekly thing. But if not, you're going to catch me whenever I can actually do a podcast episode. So that's going to do it for me for today. I hope that you guys actually enjoyed the show. And until next time, bye-bye.